Pastor Aaron mentioned that there is a sermon outline available online if you want to check that out. Uh, If you have checked it out, you know that the name of this sermon, the title of this sermon is, I Love You More. I love you more. And the reason, there's many reasons that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm giving this sermon that title, and I'll explain those as we get going. But uh, first of all, you need to know that Silas, who's my youngest, he's my seven-year-old, and he is, I don't know if it's, if, it's, if it's really fiercely competitive, but just everything he says, he busts chops. Uh, everything he says, he busts So if you, if you say, like, like, if he wants to play Connect Four, he's big into Connect Four, and he's going to be, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to take you down. Like right from the beginning. And it doesn't matter if he loses. He's not to be deterred. He could lose four times in a row. You're going down. I'm like, bro, like <laughs> history would show you that I'm kind of rocking this. He's like, you're going, taking you down. I'm, it, he's just very like, doesn't matter. This is now. It doesn't matter. This is now. And the other thing that he does is when I tell him I love you, he always says, he doesn't say I love you too. He says, I love you more. And if I tell him that I love him more than he loves me, he just looks back at me and just literally, he just goes, not true. Like, false. Survey says, eh, zero. Nope, not true. Every time, all the time. So much so that every once in a while, if he's just not on his game and he happens to perish the thought, say, I love you too, it literally takes me by surprise. Like, I love you, Silas. I love you too. And I'm like, whoa. Another crazy thing in 2020. The child said, I love you too. I love you more. I've been excited about this particular Sunday for quite some time, ever since we decided that this would be what we're calling a Campus Pastor Sunday. That means that today, all the campus pastors across all three of our campuses uh, are preaching sermons to their specific campus. Uh, Pastor Brian is preaching to the Florence campus. Pastor Eric is preaching to the Independence campus. Additionally, our very own Josh Snell is preaching to those of our church family who are worshiping at home online for a variety of reasons. So let's pray for him as he does that. Um, Because that was an opportunity that we created this way. Pastor Brian at Florence wouldn't have to think, I'm preaching to this room, but also have to think of other people outside. We wanted this to be a campus-specific Sunday. And so we're carving out several of those throughout the year. So when we decided to make this a Campus Pastor Sunday, which is what we call it, I was very excited and very much looking forward to it. So if we could, let's start out today in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking in verse 3. Now, a little about Philippians. Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament, and four of them are referred to as the prison epistles because he wrote them while he was imprisoned at Rome. And that's Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and today we're in Philippians. This book is unlike, uh, unlike other books in that there's not a ton of teaching or doctrine like Romans. Like Romans is a deep dive into so much teaching, so much doctrine. It's not like that. There's basically zero correction. Like if you read 1 Corinthians, he like starts out with a greeting and then he's like, get a pen, all right? Because there's a lot of things wrong that we really want to make right. Uh, But it's not like that at all. As you read through this letter, you see two things. Paul's love for pursuing Christ and his encouragement for the Philippians to do likewise and just pure like unabashed joy. That's what you see as you read through Philippians, pure joy. So look with me through Philippians at the verses as I call them aloud to you and read them aloud. I'm just going to do a very quick run through just to show you how much joy, how many times joy is mentioned in this book. Look at verse four. Uh, Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with what? Joy. Skip down to verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I Rejoice. Verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that 
I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Skip to chapter 2, verse 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Philippians 2, verse 16. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and what? Rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Skip to chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Skip to verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Skip over to chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. Always, again, I will say, rejoice. Chapter 4, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Suffice it to say, Paul is quite the happy camper. Actually, not so much. The dominant theme throughout this book is not happiness, but joy. Not happiness, but joy. There's a difference between those two words. In fact, Fun fact, in 2021, Lord willing, uh, we're going to spend quite a bit of time looking at, we're going to go through a series, looking at a series of words that people oftentimes think are synonymous, but in reality aren't. Uh, They're actually very different. And happiness and joy will be one set of those words that we look at in that series. So I'm pretty excited about that. Paul isn't a happy camper. Uh, In fact, Paul isn't a camper at all since he's a prisoner. But as he writes this letter to the Philippians, he is truly Joyful, full of joy, as we just saw in those various texts. And I want to belabor this point today, not as a prisoner, but as a pastor, as I would love to take a large amount of time and let you know how much I love you and how much joy you bring me always, literally always. I can't tell you how much Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and following resonates with me. Look at Philippians 1 verses 3 and following. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, you know me. Hopefully, in an appropriate way, I like to joke around. I like to poke fun. Uh, Specifically, I like to poke fun at the other campuses in our church. It's like a ministry of mine. And you've heard me say it over and over again that Fort Thomas is the best campus. Now, there's a variety of reasons that I say that, not the least of which is to get a, a good laugh out of people or to have my fellow campus pastors roll their eyes. But specifically for me, When I'm away from you, it's a small way of connecting with you when I'm not with you. Uh, When I'm preaching to our entire church, all three campuses, plus whoever is watching online, it gets a good laugh or an eye roll or a grin, and that's fun. I'm like, oh, Pastor Peter, he did it again. But here's the thing. Today, nobody's watching but you. Uh, Nobody hears me but you. And in all seriousness, from the bottom of my heart, I want to tell you that I am convinced that this is the best, not a perfect, but the best church I know of 
Again, not perfect, but the best church that I know of, and this is by far and away the best campus. Now, our other campuses are great. They're filled with wonderful people and godly ministries and excellent leaders and godly men and women all around. It's great, but this is where it's at. Why? Because this is my favorite campus, and I may not be in prison, but I can still say like Paul, I thank my God. Verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Listen to me. I love to preach. Love it. It's, it's not easy, but I love it. I love the labor. I love the intensity. I love the studying. I love pouring over scripture. I love hearing and reading about what other people have said in days gone by about this scripture because I'm convinced there's nothing new under the sun. It takes hours and hours and hours of preparation in addition to counseling and meeting and leading staff and other ministry tests that all pastors do. But I love to preach the word of God and am honored to do so at every opportunity the Lord affords me. But please know this. Please know that when I'm not here, I always wish I was. All the time, every time. You see me on the screen bouncing around at a stage of a campus that's not mine. It's not that I dislike it or dislike them, but I'm always thinking about and wanting to be here. Anytime I'm preaching to our entire church, I get a message from Brian Clark saying he's praying for me and misses me, and I send a reply letting him know I feel likewise. Almost every Sunday I'm not here, I receive encouraging texts from different ones of you saying, you're praying for me, you're thanking me for the message. In fact, with the staggered times we used to have, those texts used to come in exactly as I was preaching for the second time, as it's vibrating in my pocket. And I never stopped it because it always brought me joy. It's like, well, just leave your phone on the chair, bro. It's not like you're going to take a call. But in a weird, weird way, I just like hearing from you. I like, I like the encouragement. It makes me think of you. I'm preaching and teaching, but in my mind, in my heart, I'm kind of multitasking, loving what the, the word of God that I'm about to say, but then also thinking back of home, of Fort Thomas. And so at the risk of sounding mushy, I want you to know how much I truly love you and am grateful for you and am honored to be your pastor here at Fort Thomas. Look at verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Whether that first day was back in Newport, whether that first day was five years ago when we launched here in Fort Thomas, or whether that first day was any time in between, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, you are the best. Verse 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that, like Paul, I am sure of this, that he, Jesus Christ, who began a good work in you, will, not might, not I hope, not the odds are in our favor, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Not only do I love you and have an affection for you, but I'm, I'm so proud of you as a church. This has arguably been the most difficult season of our lives in so many different ways and a very difficult season for our church. All churches, not more difficult for us, but just a difficult, like, things are rough all around, am I right? Like, it's not just specifically here or me or you. It's a tough time. And I love you, 
and I've missed you. And I see the empty chairs and miss those who are still uh, aren't with us for a variety of reasons and rejoice when I see people back from what I think is the first time as I see them sitting in chairs. I'm like, oh, praise God, they're here. I've missed them. But I'm so very thankful for you and proud of you. While our church suspended in-person services for 17 weeks, our church was far from shut down. We've had a relationship with the Newport Intermediate School since we launched at Newport in 2013. We might have began that relationship before we launched. I don't really remember. When COVID hit in the spring, an opportunity arose to give to their family resource center because they had a variety of needs that were now cropping up as a result of the students that they used to care for. The students who were provided meals three times a day or two times a day, rather, at their schools are now home. And they had a variety of needs, a variety of them. And they didn't have the budget for it. And it didn't look like it was coming anytime soon. And an opportunity arose to give to their family resource center. And so many of us did. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. Active Day is our neighbor, just a few doors down uh, in the plaza here. They offer adult daycare for adults who are unable to care for themselves for a variety of reasons. Almost similar to the schools, one of the things Active Day does for their clients is provide meals for people in their care. So when they shut down, people who are in their care for one reason or another during the day were then without the meals that they provided. So they reached out to our, we reached out to our church family, mostly through community groups, but sometimes just, we would just do it as a church or we would just reach out to somebody individually and we were able to provide groceries for those in need. Sometimes we arranged for Kroger just to deliver it, which is fine. And other times people in our church family would deliver the meals themselves or the groceries themselves and pray with those people and, and, and give them a blessing and even sat on their porches talking to them about Jesus. I'm so proud of you. You adapted. The church throughout church history for the last 2,000 years adapted and said there's nothing that's going to stop the gospel from going forth. There's no circumstance. There's no person. There's no group of people. The word of God is unstoppable. We'll just adapt. Well, if we do this, they'll shut down. No, well, we'll just adapt. We may not like it as much, but we will adapt. Birthdays and bridal and baby showers that couldn't be celebrated in person were celebrated with a parade of cars by the person to be blessed. You called people to check in on them. You texted them. You prayed for them. You stuck a lawn sign in your yard letting people know that church wasn't closed because the church isn't a building because you are the church. Many of you opened your homes and held watch parties proving that although the in-person services were suspended, nothing closes the church. Because this is a building, but you and me, we are the body of Christ, the church. Hank and Sandy Pryor haven't been back to our services. You know why? Because what started out as a watch party in their house is going so well, they're sticking with it for the time being to see what God does with it. They have people coming to their watch party that have never come to Grace Fellowship Church campuses. We might have lost the Pryors, but whatever, I'm so proud of them. Like, like I... It's just a blessing to know that people are serving in that way. It was my hope and prayer. When we restarted in-person services, we would be able to have children's ministry available for all the ages we offered it to pre-COVID. I knew people would be hesitant to come for a variety of reasons, and I get that. But I didn't want them to be like on the fence, but then think, 
oh, they only have children's ministry for this age, then I don't know how my kids will do in the service, or I don't know how I'm going to do with my kids in the service. Like, I don't know if people will end up, like, shunning me or hating me, or I don't know if I'm going to end up hating my kids, or whatever it is. Like, I, and then decide not to go. And it's not perfect, but by God's grace, it's available. And we, we, combine, we combine classes when we need to and make adjustments as we go along. I'm not saying it's easy by any stretch. But to this day, we've not had to turn people away and tell them we don't have anything for your kids. And tell them we're glad they're here and we're happy to welcome the children into a classroom or a nursery. I'm so proud of you. And so when we decided that this would be a campus pastor Sunday, I had every intention of spending a chunk of time letting you know I love you. And so I did. There you have it. We're literally halfway through my sermon. I spent 50% of my sermon just letting you know that I have some idea of what Paul felt like when he wrote what he did in Philippians 1 verses 3 and following. And like Silas, Without apology. The kid never apologizes for it. I love you more. Look at it again, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always, in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with Joy! It's so great as a pastor to not have to pray. I mean, I'll, I'll always pray, but not have to pray. Gosh, I wish they would just get it together, Lord. I wish, is it me? Is it them? Is, it, is there another way I could be serving? Is there another way I could be leading? Is just not doing it? It's just not this. All my prayer with joy, verse 4, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul told the Philippians that he was confident that the good work that the Lord began in the church at Philippi would be brought to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. He was expressing confidence in the work of God, right? Being completed by God. It's all about God. However, as you read through the rest of the book, you see his confidence in God's work in them is further strengthened by the fruits of God working through them. And that's what's it's such a joy to see as a pastor, a joy to hear about and a privilege to be among you. I'm proud of you. You're the best. I love being your pastor. I love you more. And so I want to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at some key passages from literally the rest of the book uh, in Philippians. Having just spent time in chapter one, we'll take a look at some verses in each of the remaining Three chapters. And as we do that, I want to challenge you and ask you to add Philippians to whatever your Bible reading diet currently consists of. It's a four chapter book that's easy to read. It's, it's easy to read repeatedly. You got to look at the smaller books in the Bible as an opportunity to really dive deep and get to know that book. You could read a four chapter book of Philippians, you could literally read it every day. It's, it's not that big a deal. Whether you read two chapters in the morning, two chapters at night, or you could read one chapter a day throughout the week. It's not so much to add. It's not like saying, here, I want you to get to know the Psalms and do that maybe this month. Like, ooh, that's a lot to do. Have to rethink that. Philippians, you don't have to rethink much. 
You just got to read a couple of chapters or read through it. And you can read it. I've enjoyed reading over the years, smaller books repeatedly over and over again to really say, I'm going to really dive into Philippians this much, four chapters. I'm going to dive into Ephesians this, this month. It's, it's six chapters. I'm going to dive into Colossians. I'm going to dive into Philemon. It is a chapter. I mean, there's, there's things you can do easily to just get the word of God saturated into your mind. And it's one thing to meditate, but that is another thing to just repeatedly read. And I want to challenge you to do that. You can get to know Philippians really, really well. And you decide how you want to do it. You want to add it to your Bible reading once a week, once a day? It doesn't matter. I'm just saying, take advantage of the fact that Paul really sized it down for us here, right? And get to know it as much as you can. So let's leave Philippians 1 and go to Philippians chapter 2, which brings us to point number 2. Point number 1 was, I love you more, in case you didn't pick up on that. Point number 2, you need to remember our calling to shine brightly as lights in this increasingly dark world. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 12. Therefore, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul says, therefore, so we should see what it's there for, which means he's always looking back. So look back. When he says, therefore, look behind it. Look at Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So it's in light of Christ's humility. That takes us through verse 11. Paul is saying, look at how humble Christ was. Look at how he didn't even brag about the fact that he was very God, that his father was a heavenly father. He didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but instead emptied himself, coming in the form of a servant. Mark 10 and verse 45, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve And to give his life a ransom for many. He emptied himself. He died a criminal sinner's death even though he had never sinned in his entire life. He was the epitome of humility. Verse 12, therefore, in light of the fact that he was humble, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. Do you see that? He's saying, this is not corrective. He's not saying, get your act together. He's writing to the church of Philippi, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is it in my presence, but even when I'm not with you, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean earn your salvation. That just means work at it. Work at this new life in Christ and do it with fear and trembling, with great seriousness and, and attention to detail. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and And to work for his good pleasure. It's important for him to remind the church of Philippi that, right? Like, you guys are rocking it and I love you. But don't forget, verse 13, it's God who works in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then look at verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. 
Why? Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The word grumbling there, it's a, it's a negative emotional response to something unpleasant, inconvenient, disappointing. In the Greek, it's actually what you would call an onomatopoetic, so it's an onomatopoeia word, uh, like hiss or buzz. These are words that you say that have a meaning, but they also sound like what they're meaning. You know, like you say that the cat hissed at me, what it sound like? Well, I said hiss, like hiss. The, bu- the bees were buzzing. What does it sound like? Buzz, buzz. Like it, it sounds like that. In the Greek, it's the, same, it's the same thing. And it sounds like the guttural muttering sounds of people who are quietly angry or, or disgruntled. I think it's pronounced gongumos. 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 Like you could just say that over and over again, right? Gongumos. You don't, think, you don't know what they're saying, but you're pretty sure they're cussing gongumos. 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 Like... It's that mumbling that, that you may not be fuming angry, but you're, you're grumbling. Sure, leave your signal on for as long as you did. Oh, and then switch to the other lane. That's really great. Oh, now you shut it off. Like, like this, this is not unfamiliar to me. Grumbling, this, this emotional, guttural response. Just kind of talking to the air. Disputing, it says do all things without grumbling or disputing, is refers to an intellectual questioning or doubting or bickering over a, over a matter. At face value, it looks better than grumbling because people are speaking aloud. You're not wondering what they're saying under their breath as they're just shaking their head and just speaking out of really small voices in their mouth as you really don't even know what they're saying, but they look really upset. It's not the grumbling. It's not muttering. This looks better. It sounds better. No, I just want to know. I just want to know how in the world you, being who you are, thinking what you think, can be doing what you do. How in the world could you think that you have the right to do that? How can that happen to me? How could you be doing this? Let's really, no, let's, you want to go? Let's go. Let's think through these things. Let's, let's use our brains. Let's use our heads. That's that bump three feet above the rear end of you. Let's really think through these things. No, let's go. Let's talk about these things. What about you? Would you classify yourself as a grumbler or a disputer? Or you're like me and you're like, I see all of the above. (laughs) See, grumbling is emotional. It's how you feel at that moment. Like nobody's driving me like, I've been giving this a lot of thought and the way that he just signaled is really bothering me. No, it's just how you feel at the moment. You're like, and you are a moron. Boom, it's a knee-jerk reaction and you're an idiot. Grumbling is emotional. Disputing, no, prove it. No, 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 seriously. No, I want to know what. Disputing is more intellectual. But here's the thing. Both come from a self-centered notion that you deserve better than the circumstances you're in. 
Great. Now we all have to stop because of this idiot. Do you see how many of my examples are from driving? It's really, none of those are in the notes. I'm like, wow, thank you, Lord. You're showing me where I need to really watch this. Good. We all have to suffer because of this person. They come from this self-centered notion that I, I deserve better than this circumstance that I'm in, that I'm in through no fault of my own. So here we're being, we're not being told to like things that are unpleasant. Don't, don't hear that. Don't hear because you're grumbling, you should then be praising. Love his driving. Like, no, that's not, that's just fake and weird. We're not being told to like the things that are unpleasant and making us want to grumble. We're not being told to give like false intellectual assent to things we don't agree with. That would, that, that's lying. Both of those are lying. For the glory of God, he's telling us just basically, if I could put it this way, to shut up. Don't grumble about it. Don't bicker about it. Why? Verse 15. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And the darker our day and age becomes, the brighter Christians shine by being altogether different from the crooked and twisted generation in which we live. We speak differently. We act differently. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about any one specific area or one specific issue. In, in all issues and in all areas, we should be different. If there's not a, but I'm a Christian in whatever, whatever group, whatever group that is, whether that's a, a political group or a hangout group or a neighborhood group, if there's not something that's, yeah, but I'm a Christian, that's a little different, even if you're just looking for an opportunity to be different, I would be concerned. If you could be lumped together with another group and not look different at all, there should be something different about me because I'm a Christian whatever. I'm a, I'm a Christian first before I'm a whatever. Why? Because I'm not going to grumble. I'm not going to bicker. I have a bigger fish to fry than to win you to whatever's on my mind. I would much rather win you to Christ. And that's what Paul says in verse 15. We need to be blameless and innocent, children of God. But it's all, it's all different, right? Like, because I don't want to be thought of as a kid. You're acting like a child, right? We never say that in a positive way. Hey, you're acting like a child. That's never, that's never the tone in which we say that. Would you, would you grow up? Like, it's never, brought, it's never said in a light of, like, I'm really encouraged of how childish you're acting. But... All throughout the scriptures, we see God reminding us that kids have a little something up on us as adults, like the faith of a child, the, the faith that, that just mom and dad are going to take care of it. How many of you have had various, to varying degrees over the last six months, trouble sleeping, uh, trouble falling asleep, trouble waking, like just if something's on your mind as you go to sleep, that's fine. I'm the only one. It's good. Okay, so, right, just at some point, there's just something that's on your mind that's, that's, you're like, wow, I never really think about this that much. And then you think about when you go to bed, and you think about it when you wake up. Maybe you sleep the full normal hours that you sleep, but it's, wow, I'm thinking about this when I go to bed. I'm thinking about this when I get up. For me, it's been that I just have 
trouble falling asleep like I've never had before. I sleep fine once I'm asleep. Getting there, it's like, my goodness. Do you know how much trouble Silas has had falling asleep over the last six months? He sleeps more. <laughs> Why? He's, he's innocent of the things of this world. Not innocent in his heart, but... Kids just kind of... Just trust that mom and dad's on it. I don't really get it, but whatever it is, mom and dad are on it. I don't really know what's going on, but... Mom and dad are on it. I think God wants us to be like kids... Who just go to sleep and say, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I mean, dad's on it. With that innocent little sleep, you know, when your kids are young, they have those like the, the, what I call the baby snores, like those, where you just hear like, they're just sleeping so deep. An explosion could go off in the closet right now, not going to wake them. They've reached that point of like deafness in sleep, which I don't really get. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. This is not me saying, get your act together. It's not Paul saying, get your act together. It's me saying, let's make sure we keep on shining. I don't think it's going to get easier in the days to come. You may not be aware of it, but this is an election year. So I'm not thinking it's going to become super easy between now and the election or even after the election. But I am encouraging you to do your right thing as a Christian citizen, but also saying beware of the patriotic gospel. The cross and the flag should both bring you joy. One should bring you exceedingly more joy than the other. And so let's not lose it. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I'm not, this is not a secret spanking. I have some people in mind. It's not, it's not that at all. Literally, it's, the Lord knows this is not that at all. It's saying, let's keep it up. Let's finish strong. I don't know how long, you say, well, when's it going to finish? No, I don't know. I just want to finish strong. Let's finish well. Let's continue Shining. Let's not be like a crooked and twisted generation. Even if we agree with parts of the crooked and twisted generation, let's remember that we care and love this first and foremost above everything and everything else flows out of and below this because we love the word of God. We love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we want to shine as lights in this world in the midst of of a twisted and crooked generation. You need to remember our calling to shine brightly as lights in this increasingly dark world. That's point number three. Point number one was I love you more. Excuse me, that was point number two. We're now into point number three. You need to press on towards the single primary goal for all believers, which is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Look at Philippians chapter three. Look at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfected, but I press on to make, I love Paul saying, it's not, I'm not saying uh, be more like me, like I've gotten here, where are you guys? 
Where are you got Catch up. Let's go. He's not saying that. He's saying, no, no, no. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfected, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus said made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, look at that, verse 13, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what lies behind. That's Paul saying, I'm forgetting that which I will leave behind in this life. It's not him just like forgetting what happened yesterday and not caring. He's saying, I'm, I'm not counting it as important. I'm forgetting th- this world right now when it comes to my priorities and what's on my heart. I'm striving to do this. I'm striving to do this. Forgetting what lies behind, what, what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead. That which he would receive because of who he was in Christ. He's saying, every day I make it my goal to forget that which is behind and to strain towards that which is ahead. To forget that which is temporary and to strain towards that which is eternal. And it's certainly not Paul saying, I'm just so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. I don't know how to do anything because I'm just going to heaven, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. He's not saying that. He's just saying what drives me, what motivates me, what wakes me up in the morning, what gets me going to cause me to press on is not the things of this world, but that which lies ahead. It's not where I am, it's where I'm going. And that informs what he does and what he doesn't do. Skip down to verse 20, verse, Philippians 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. You need to press on towards the single Primary goal for all believers, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What about you? During particularly difficult seasons of life, this one or any other, do you find yourself pressing on and longing more for heaven than other times? Or do you find it harder to do so? It really, it's something to think through. I'm just curious, like, Consider it among yourselves. Is that something, sometimes the harder our days, the more you're longing for heaven. Other times, the harder our days, the more it is to try to get your mind out of what's going on in our days, right? So it's, you're like, yeah, heaven, right. I remember that. It's, it's, it's somewhere there. So I'm just curious, do you find yourselves, is it easier to long for heaven or is it harder to long for heaven? And either way, is longing for heaven just like an emergency exit, like a fire escape? Get me out. Which isn't bad, but God might say, no, this is not your day. I got a room for you. It's prepared. It's sanitized. I'm kidding. That's a COVID joke. It's a COVID joke. Got a room for you in my mansion. I'm excited. And you'll get there when you get there, but I need you here now. Say, take me, Lord. He's like, eventually. But for now, you're here. For now, you have a sphere of influence. For now, you have friends, you have family, you have kids, you have grandkids, you have co-workers. I need you shining brightly. I need you in this world, but not of this world. I need you to remember your citizenship is in heaven, but you still do care about where you're visiting, right? Like, I don't treat an Airbnb as my own, but I do care about it. Right? It's somebody's. 
So we don't treat this world as our own, but I, I do care about it. I do care about my time here. But never without remembering that my citizenship is in heaven. That I look at my spiritual passport and remember I don't see world, I see heaven. Oh, it's just been stamped by this world and I'm just passing through. And so it's good to long for heaven. You might say, I find it really easy to do that. I just want to be gone. I, I, I get it. You might say, it's really difficult to do that, but I'm going to do that. Great. But the reason Paul longs for heaven is not just to get an escape route. It's the reason Paul longs for heaven is because that's what drives him to do what he does here on earth. And he knows he's going to get there. He's got a ticket for that. But his longing for eternity and the fact that he's guaranteed to go there affects how he lives here. And during particularly difficult seasons of life, that can become all the more apparent to us or it can fall by the wayside. And so Paul is saying, listen, if we want to think this, look at verse 15. Let those of us who are, can you see that in verse 15? What does it say? Let those of us who are what? Mature. Think this way. You won't be thought of as mature by people who are outside of Christ. You'll be thought of as kind of ridiculous or odd or weird. I don't want you to be ridiculous or odd or weird just for the sake of being ridiculous, odd or weird. But just by doing something different, by talking about things differently, by not bickering, by not grumbling, by doing things differently, by engaging with people in a way that's different than other people who think or hold the same positions of you on a variety of things, you will shine as lights brightly in this world, even though we live in a crooked and twisted generation. Paul's saying, keep it up. He's not saying you're, you're losing it. He's just saying, hold on, hold on, because it's going to be a bumpy ride. But let's keep it up. Let's not fall by the wayside. Let's not forget who we really are in Christ. Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And then I, I, this is like, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So he's saying, and even if you don't agree with this, I trust that God's going to reveal it to you anyway. Which sounds a little arrogant. He's like, I'm, I'm still right. But he is saying, I, I, I am right in what I'm saying. If you don't see it now, I trust you'll see it eventually. God will reveal it to you. And finally, point four and chapter four. You need to look for opportunities to share in the trouble that faces the church today. Paul says something interesting in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, he says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. It was kind of you to share my trouble. Verse 15, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I even seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, and acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In the beginning of our time, that first point, do you remember that first point? Let me hear you say it. What's the first point? I love you more. Right, I do. But I listed among several reasons ways that I think our campus has uniquely done well. 
and it's great, and it's exciting. But you might be one of the people who sits there and goes, I don't do any of that stuff. Like, yay, yay. But you're like, I'm excited to hear. I didn't participate in any of that. I don't even know about it. Must have, must have missed that email or that text or whatever. I just didn't know. I kind of hunkered down and was just kind of ticked and was waiting for things to start back up, and I'm still a little ticked. That's why I'm grumbling about it. You want to pick her? That, that might be you. So I want to ask you, like Paul says in Philippians 4, he says, it was kind of you to share my trouble. You bore this burden with me, is what Paul was saying. That's, in essence, what I said to you in the beginning. We bore this burden together, and it's nowhere near done. It's nowhere near done. But we bore this burden together, and I'm just curious, how are you helping to bear the uniquely challenging burdens facing our church family these days? Paul had a unique burden as he's sitting in prison. He was in unique needs that the church at Philippi apparently came by when nobody else did. They they showed up with support. When no one, that's what he says, right? And you Philippians yourselves know the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. So no one else did, but the Philippians sent out to him because he's like, but you guys rock. I wasn't even seeking your help. And you helped. Love you. Thank you. I love you. I love you more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so I'm just asking you, how are you helping now to bear the unique burdens that we have as a church family? Because we have unique burdens. The things that I listed before can't go on. Like, for example, we have children's ministry open for all ages. And that's great. But it's being you should also know it's being done by a very small number of people who are eventually just going to probably burn out. So you're like, I've never, you could be one of those people who's like, I see a need and I'm showing up to fill a need. Like people used to do. There's stories, World War II, bombing of Pearl Harbor the next day or within the next days, people were signing up saying, I don't even know how to serve, but I want to serve. I care about my country. And so you might be one of those people who's like, okay, where do you need? Like, what do you need? Is it children's ministry? Is it this? Is it that? I don't want people. I don't want just a few people bearing this burden. Tell me what you need and, and talk to me about where I might be able to serve. That would be super helpful in bearing this unique burden in getting our church to be at a place where we can serve even more people during this unique time. And so as you hear me talk about people bearing unique burdens, just like Paul said, it was kind of you to share my trouble. Somebody at the church of Philippi was like, oh, I didn't share anything. But. And so if that's you, I'm not, mm, that, remember, this isn't a, that type of book. This is a I love you more type of book. If that's you, it's not too late. We would love to show you how you can share in the unique, unique burdens that we have, both as a church on Sundays and in a church throughout the week. But this is a unique time with unique burdens, but we serve a unique God who is surprised by it not at all. Your plans have changed throughout this past year, probably multiple times. God's like, this is exactly what I had. No, there's no erasure marks in God's planner. Like it's in ink, permanent. And God has a plan for you and for me and for our church. And verse 19 says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for our time in your word. I am so incredibly grateful to be 
a part of, let alone a pastor of such a wonderful, wonderful church body. But Lord, we know that that which is wonderful in our life is only wonderful because of you. And so we're so grateful for your abounding mercies, your steadfast love that that are new every morning. They're not one size fits all. It's specific mercy, specific grace for me specifically, for the specific things that I will specifically face on any specific day. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that in the coming days that we would put our trust in you alone, that we would not be shaken. Lord, as we seek to live our lives, help us to look at our lives as something we are building, not just something we're doing, but we're building towards something. But may we build it upon a foundation of of your kindness, of your grace and your love, that out of that would flow every decision and everything we do. Lord, do that for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.